where do we find Alistair? That's a really good question. Um, I will tell you this. It's a safe space. Somewhere that Alistair feels safe. Somewhere Alistair feels safe. A place, a memory. Uh, We find Alistair sitting on a a rocky, dusty surface uh, with the gentle rolling of gentle sort of crashing of small waves. Um, and the the calling of seagulls and uh, he is sitting in the little cave area just off the cliff near the Stern family residence where he and his sister Zoe used to run away to when they were kids where they built a little fort I think I mentioned that mm-hmm. like season one sometime um, there's there's a, a little boombox with a tape cassette player playing Credence or something um, there's a little campfire where he's cooking some some water um, and he's just sitting cross-legged uh, he, he appears exactly as he does currently he's burned and his clothes are smoking and he's missing an eye and he's covered in these what will eventually be very painful burns mm-hmm. um, just looking out at the, at the sea there's no mist it's just a beautiful clear bright spring morning and I'll say and we can do it a different way if you don't like this this image um, as you are sitting there you slowly become aware of a sense of a comforting weight and warmth and the feeling of feathers on your skin and you realise that where you are sitting uh, Carrion is kind of behind and above you he has his wings wrapped around you uh, and you're kind of sitting back against, leaning against him, uh, where he's sort of perched on the shore with you. Alistair kind of just looks up and sees him. The, the, the pale, kind of impassive, slightly vacant expression that Carrion always has looks down at you. Carrion? You took a tumble. Yeah. It's my own fault, really. I should have run away. This wasn't the time. Yeah. (sighs) Am I going to be all right? We will see. You're not a lost thing yet. Nothing hurts yet, but this looks pretty bad. He's looking down at his, like, burnt clothes. He's like, I feel like it's going to hurt when I wake up. Mm. If I wake up. Given enough time, there is always scars. Yeah. It's nice here. This is one of my favourite places as I, as I was growing up, Carrion. Mm. I love my parents. <laughs> I love my dad. But he could sometimes be a lot to live with. So when I was feeling a little bit confused or overwhelmed, I'd come down here with my big sister and she'd make tea and bring cordial and biscuits and we'd just chat and... It was nice. That is nice. You don't talk about your sister much. I'm afraid to, Carrion. Why? Because I, I don't know if she's still alive. And if I talk about her, I have to think about her and mum. 
and I don't know where they are. The fear of loss. Yeah. It's not even that. It's just... If they are gone, I never got to say goodbye. Many of us don't. Loss is not the enemy. Loss doesn't break a good thing. Loss is a stage of all things. Sooner or later, we lose others or we are lost to them one, or, one way or the other. I know this feeling too. I know what it is like to enjoy the company of my siblings. Mm. And you see uh, Carrion kind of ruffles his feathers and you see out over the water far enough away that they're not they're not entirely distinct you see what you assume must be Carrion um, mm-hmm. he looks the same but he's far away you can see the, the black feathers as he flies he swoops and dives and in his dive he's joined by um, uh, an iridescent shimmering silvery figure which you take to be Luna mm-hmm. and then another and then another and then another and you can see a small cluster of them uh, swooping and diving sometimes in unison sometimes kind of playing in the air hmm. Alistair just sits and watches them for a minute He's kind of enjoying this beautiful peaceful scene knowing that as soon as he opens his eyes it's going to be anything but just watches for a little bit when the world was young there was a lot of time to play we don't play very much anymore something about the word play triggers something in Alistair's mind he's like where is my daughter wait a minute we didn't see her where did she go Carrion <laughs> the, the kind of feathers around you curl in a little tighter Do you know what the desert is? Yeah. Do you know what I am? I think so. Tell me. Uh, okay. Um, uh, the, the desert is um, is a, a place between realms, between layers. It's a place for lost things. It's a place it used to be different and then it died or something Ernest tells me these things and I fully understand Uh, and you and your siblings were appointed as shepherds, angels guardians of a layer each and you are the guardian of lost things right? very good that is good but I am... But I knew all that. Yes. I'm not just the Guardian. I am the desert. I am the desert given form. I am the desert given shape. Okay. And the desert is... The desert isn't... It is or it isn't? The desert is, the desert isn't. The desert is in between. The desert didn't die it is always dying I am always dying 
Time travel. I've had a lot of names. Your people, the people of Terra, used to know me by other names. But I am the shepherd of time. I am the shepherd of loss. I am the shepherd of old age. I am the shepherd of corrosion and deep sadness, Alistair. And that doesn't make me all doom and gloom. <laughs> he like ruffles his feathers. Ooh. Time is a beautiful thing. And like I said, Carrion, what are you loss trying to say? Loss is part of everything. Yes. Loss is a stage. You are in my domain, Alistair Stern. And that means that time and loss and lost things will always be with you. You are born under my sign. That is why I am your shepherd, just as Luna is Ernest's. The point I am making is not about loss. The point is, and he kind of gestures up at the the feathered figures that are still flying in the distance. Mm -hmm. The eyes of deep heaven are watching. Everything is seen. You're not alone. It will get worse. But they are watching. And help comes on the wind. But now, for now, you can enjoy this moment. Your wife is doing a wonderful job. <laughs> for now, you can rest. Uh, Alistair doesn't kind of really know what to say to all of that. He was he was afraid that Al- that Carrion was working up to saying that his daughter was dead. Nope. And so he's <laughs> didn't say that. Quite quite relieved that that's not what he's trying to get to at least. Um, and so he just kind of sinks back into these soft, warm feathers and just looks up and just watches. And I, I imagine there's like a tree or something that's kind of shading the top of this cave and he's just looking out through the dappled sunlight. You don't know how long you spend like that. Time here is immaterial. As you realise, you kind of... The, the space around you shifts and you realise whether it's Carrion doing it or it's just your memory. It sort of shifts. Time seems to speed up and progress and you realise this is probably what this cove looks like now in the fog and then it reverses and you realise this is probably what the cove looked like before humans had ever set foot on the island and it goes back and forth in this interplay Mm. and this dappled light above you slowly um, kind of consumes your focus more and more and more until you realise that you're not looking at dappled light through leaves you're looking at embers in a black sky and you realise that you are breathing in the scent of smoke and ash and pain begins to radiate throughout your body and you you still feel that tight warm embrace but you now realize that you're in um, Puck's arms that's similar to how you had been sitting with Carrie and she is sitting with her back against um, one of the still standing Ravenholm walls uh, with you leaning against her Ernest what are you doing? Ernest has 
gathered the wounded on kind of a, a stretch of the field um, and they're being kind of seen to by uh, Randy and Sherman who both one being a ranger and one being a police officer have kind of different There's levels Bernie of Bernie and Nancy too oh Bernie and Nancy okay all of them kind of then. forgot about Nancy during the fight we'll say that Nancy was helping oh Marv is there also <laughs> yes um, I forgot about that we will say that they did important things that were not seen I feel like it was a whole town wide fight yeah too, so they, were, they were probably helping evacuate people and gather them and Mighty Duck as well yeah, was, yeah, was yeah. at the gates yeah Marv is standing there with the amulet of course Amulet? Yes. He's gone on his own side quest. The he's magic re- magic. He's retrieved the amulet. <laughs> okay. Um, ah, uh, all good of whom job, have kind Marv. of different levels of like first aid education. Uh, Ernest is standing watching kind of the rest of uh, Ravenholm kind of take light and the Yeah, uh, the fires the, couldn't the be fires stopped. and the embers and just the glow ascending up into the night. And uh, he is standing looking out over all of it. He slowly uh, puts Derek's gun back in, uh, like the holster that he's kind of have it like at his back, um, and it's it's now fully showable because he's not he doesn't have his jacket or anything. Uh, and he turns around. Like, All right, well, we need to start moving them. Um, yeah, you've kind of been getting people patched up and directing them, and there's really there's nowhere else to go but yeah. the caves now. And there's no. There's no ability to wait. Yeah. Go travel through the night. Um, Ernest, you and Puck have already had this conversation, but you gather around as Bernie, Nancy, Marv, and Mighty Duck gather in all into a little huddle. We'll assume Randy's yelling at people. (laughs) No, Um, you can't bring the maple syrup. All right, one. You get one. Um... No, not two. Give me that. Smash. <laughs> Alistair, you are yeah. coming into conscious of this sound in the background. <laughs> what is that? Um, and as your eyes begin to focus, you kind of look over your shoulder to see Puck grim-faced mm-hmm. and pale. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is still very weak and hurt. Yes. But you are even yep. more so now. Mm-hmm. Um, as everyone gathers around you and you have the heavy sense of bad news coming. Yeah, there's a series of horses that are kind of souped up and ready to, like, be loaded up with the wounded. We're kind of just waiting for this to be done before yeah. going. You can see, standing slightly back, and maybe maybe Ernest isn't paying attention to this, but Alistair would see it, uh, Bernie and Nancy are having a very quiet, very heated discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know some of the history between these two you know that there was a lot of things that happened to them and as the whatever argument this is kind of comes to a resolution Bernie shakes his head sort of shakes his head in the affirmative and he turns around and you see a face that is set and is hard and he enters the circle and kneels down next to Alistair. Mm-hmm. Good to see you're um, awake. Uh, not happy about it. No. Mm-hmm. Um, we've kind of done what we can. It's going to take a while to heal. But uh, How many did we lose, Bernie? 
22. Most of them were on duty guards. But not 22. all. And Ellie. What? Sky's not here. And Jeremy's not here. And I can only hope that that means that they were far away. But we're... All that means is that we don't know. We know for sure that they weren't here. Okay. But they're not here. Well, she does like to run off, so... Yeah. I hope she ran a long way. Yeah. We've got plans in place. Okay. We're going to start sweeping. You can see... Um, and you know the history here, Alistair. Bernie knows what this feels like. You know what Bernie has lost in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Bernie knows what it's like to lose a child. And he is fighting with himself that he's not going to let his grief and the despair that he felt color how he thinks about this situation and Sky. Alistair... Um just very shakily reaches up his hand and just kind of grabs Bernie on the side of the head around the neck and just looks at him for a couple of minutes and just nods. At the same time, Urs doesn't know this history. He's not making that connection. He just thinks that Bernie's taking it, like, quite hard. Urs also at the same time puts his hand on Bernie's shoulder and says, we'll find him. Making eye contact with you, Alistair and Puck in turn, he says... It'll be different this time. Different. I swear. Bernie, it's okay. He's nodding, but you can see he's he's holding back tears and he's... He's nodding, but he's not agreeing. If she's already gone, there's nothing you can do. If not, we'll find her together. He nods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And at this point, uh, you hadn't been quite aware of it, but your dad has been in the circle as well. And you can see, uh, Ernest might have observed this while you were busy. He's kind of worriedly, he keeps moving. He's kind of folding his arms, unfolding his arms. He's obviously very distressed. For a whole host of different reasons. Everything's burnt down. You're very hurt. Sky's gone. And at this point, he just can't stop. And he basically kind of falls on you. And he's kind of... He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just emoting everything all at once. And he's kind of half crying. Um, and half also reprimanding you. He's like... Don't know... I thought I raised you better than this. But then also, this is good. And I'm very proud of you. But also, why would you do this? And I can't gonna be okay Ali it's gonna be okay Dad. I'm gonna sort it Dad. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a word Dad. you're on my legs oh I'm sorry I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, Ali I'm very sorry um. <laughs> yep yep I'm, uh, I, I, I'm uh, 
I'll get you some water. I'll get you some water. Uh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Urs kind of claps his hands. All right. Those who are able-bodied, stay here. The rest are going to the cave. Alistair, you're going there. That's where the medical supplies I are. I can't. Mighty Duck said that we have to stay here. Um, she kind of puts her hand up. Yeah, um... Sorry, he can't go. Yeah, he's not going to go, but that's where the actual supplies are. Yeah, he still can't go. He still can't go can't near go it? No time. Well, what do we do? There's no supplies here. Ernest, Ernest, uh, I can do a little to help. I, I can't actually see, but uh, is is our house still standing? Because there might be some stuff in the basement. Yeah, so you, you can use to patch me and, and park up here. Right. I can get you on your feet. Um, Mighty Duck what? leans down, <laughs> squints at her. What? You're looking at his one eye. <laughs> you look with your one eye, and you see she puts her face right up close to you. It's, you realize that this is similar to the way that she was having that very intense conversation with Puck on the beach. Mm-hmm. And when you look into Mighty Duck's eyes, this is a strange thing because you've never been quite this close to her before. And when you had met her initially, it was such a strange. A disconnected experience meeting this child that acted like a more responsible adult than most of you and still spoke with the lisp but still <laughs> speaks with a lisp and yeah. is missing and you know um, when you look there is something of the fae about her eyes but not not in the same way that there was about Heath's that you had kind of grown used to can I make an arcana check make an arcana check yeah it's about the only thing I can do at the moment. Mm, this will be really interesting. Actually. Ooh, three. <laughs> She's a duck. You don't know what it is. Yeah. But it is familiar. There's actually something strangely familiar. Like you have met this person before. Not Mighty Duck. Mm, okay. You have met this person that wasn't Mighty Duck before. But when you're looking into her eyes, you see they're, they're kind of yellow, a slightly yellow brown you see more strength of will than you have seen in almost anyone. And in that moment, those eyes resemble Warwick when you have seen him squaring up against two dozen combatants. It has Again. something It has something of the glint that Heath's eyes have when he is beaten to a pulp and refusing to quit. It has something of Emily Bell, of Anne Bell, of Charlotte. These eyes remind you of a dozen people you have known over the years, but it's almost like they were... They were reminding you of these eyes, not the other way around. And she leans forward, and she just taps with a finger on your forehead, and you feel the pain dull. It's not healed. You haven't regained any more hit points or anything like that. But you feel a strength that comes from kind of the base of your of your gut and fills your chest and animates your arms and you feel your hands clench into fists and you just feel a strength flowing through you and you realize that's what you had seen happen to Puck earlier. And you realize that you can stand, you can walk, you can carry your own weight. You're still desperately hurt, but you have the strength to keep soldiering on there.
Alistair slowly gets to his feet and uh, or, or even just kind of crouching and just puts his, his hand on Mighty Duck's shoulder and just goes, what are you? A friend. Uh, Ernest uh, sends Nancy to find the, the stash of whatever the kind of items are for healing because he's not definitely got no idea what it is. He turns to Bernie. All right, Bernie, rally the troops. We need to start doing sweeps. Randy, fetch the horses. We need to be going by morning. And he, like, puts his hand on your shoulder. You good? Maybe. No, I mean, are you ready to fucking go? Because I'm, I'm going to be entirely honest. And he looks around. I'm pretty tired of these things and all this stuff, thinking they can come in and do what they want and break what they want and take what they want. Alistair looks him in the eye as he says this and then puts his hand out to Puck to pick her up as well and he stands before you very, very shakily. It's like, we're ready. Let's end this. All right. So you stand in a small circle. Ernest Marsh, Alistair Stern. You stand with Puck, you stand with Bernie and Randy and Nancy and Sherman. You're ready. Ish. Alistair stumbles a little bit. My hip. (laughs) (laughs) My hip. As Alistair gets himself to his feet, uh, he coordinates with Bernie and Nancy. 
that the town guard, what's left of it, Bernie, Nancy, Alistair and Puck are going to see the refugees of Ravenholm to Hon Caves. Mm. They're going to coordinate this trail of people and see them out safely. Um, and you can see from Alistair's expression and his tone of voice that this is kind of him discharging his last duty. This is the end of Ravenholm. It's the end of life on the archipelago. This is the final evacuation. Mm. You, however, have made another plan. You are going to take, I'm assuming, um, what's left of the Watchmen, and you are going to head for uh, the Ranger Station. Mm. You're looking for signs of um, Wendigo tracks. You're looking for any sign of where Edgar has been. You know that this is the direction that he has been heading. And you had an idea or just a feeling that the ranger station was the right place to start looking. And also the fact that Gina is missing and there was a possibility of picking up her trail there as well. Yep. Yep. What uh, would you like to do? Ernest kind of pats down, makes sure he has everything he needs, and he turns to... Um, oh, yeah, we can't have Randy. Randy, yeah. I, just, I really just realised that. Uh, I'll, I'll add a line to say... Turns around. Randy? Right. Um... Randy has vanished. Randy has straight up disappeared. All you can find is a pair of very worn, very battered boots. <laughs> Left in a pair on the edge of a burnt out house, like on the doorstep as if he had gone inside and he's nowhere to be seen. Oh, he'll be back. He'll be back. Well, we can't really seem to get rid of him even an apocalypse didn't do that um so go team yep go yeah. team i i wish i had a cigarette you you know how they say there was that thing back in the days like the um the vaping no well the quitting campaign stuff all the alternatives Nicorette, the patches Nicorette. you can beat the cigarette yeah i don't know if that's licensed um but yeah you know what? 15 years later, I'm still craving it. Um, it hasn't gone away. Like the patches. <laughs> he gestures around it just like the woods. No, I don't mean now, but I mean like you. At some stage, would you try the patches? I don't. I'll be honest. Um, I said I was trying to quit, and I never really got to the stage of not buying any. Oh. My old boss, he would have patches. He'd have the gum, and he also still smoked. It was like this dual-wielding thing. I think there was a goal of if he just overstimulate himself with it, he would, uh, yeah, yeah, like the, he would go smoke the it. entire pack and that'll make you hate them. Yeah. He died a couple years ago in a car crash. He didn't <laughs> die from, from any type of cancer. Well, something's got to kill you. At this point, um, Sherman is... is uh, He's got his foot through the stirrup, the sort of... Uh, if you know what a what a traditional medieval-style longbow looks like, it's got a stirrup at the front that you put your foot into to haul the um, the line back. That's before you had a crank. Yeah. Uh, the crank has been shattered on Sherman's one when he was knocked off the... So he's now moved to a bow. He's This is still a crossbow, but it, it this is a more cumbersome, less uh, less... Less agile model. Right. What kind of pound um, is it? On a crossbow? I don't know. It so would be in like a... It's not a crank one. If it's not a crank, it, 
this is a lot. This is Sherman's. A good chunk of Sherman's life is spent doing this sort of stuff. So it's probably like 120 kilos. Um, it's a very. He's got big shoulders. Yeah. This is um, what he does. Him and, him and Bernie are just triangles. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> short body stretch. Short triangles. <laughs> um, so he's hauling on this. He's like, well, I guess if something's got to kill you. Yeah. Car crash is better than lung cancer. All right. Um, I'm just looking around. I don't like the idea of dying. Yeah, I don't really want to burn to death. Shall we get chip? chip? chip. All right. Tip, tip, Anything yep. you... Uh, now, Ernest, is there anything you want to do? Anything you want to grab? Anything you want to prepare before leaving Ravenholm? What's left? Ernest is going to kind of... Something going to ping in his head. He's like, it was the barracks. I, I have my bag in there. It's just got extra clothes. But he looks over as half of it, like, collapses. It's his bag. My half is in the front bit, which hasn't burnt yet. So I'm just going to... Uh, okay, let, well, all right. Um, yes, uh... Sherman's going to start jogging with you. Uh, uh, the heat's pretty severe. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, the back end of it's collapsed in fire, so yeah. there's you're you're kind of uh, hitching your jacket up to kind of protect the side of your face so that you're not just getting burnt um, from cinders and stuff as you begin. Well, as searching through the front half of the barracks. Well, uh, there is no jacket. I think. I think oh, the yeah, poncho the is gone. a visual yeah, manifestation. It just uh, appears, so it's gone okay. now. So that's kind of. Uh, he like rummages and he pulls like a spotted handkerchief out of his uh, top pocket. He flips it and he does like the bandana, ties it around his, his mouth and uh, nose. Yeah, the the Western style tie. Uh, he uh, heads in, kind of dodging past embers and like parts of the ceiling that are collapsing in. And he finds his bunk and he pulls like uh, I think it was just like a small leather case out and he just hurls it out the door. And as he hurls it, he looks down and he sees a missing floorboard underneath that just goes into just complete blackness mm-hmm. and your mind flashes back to waking up your first day yeah. in in Ravenholm with dirt all over your hands and not knowing why huh. Sher- Sherman and this is going to plant his foot on one side and start craning up one of the other floorboards to try and snap it off Ernest what are you oh there's really, a hole. right now, there's a hole. It's a. I, I was going to say a gopher. We don't have gophers. I don't know. It's a fox. No, no. This is something more slithery. He cracks the. the well, um, if it's got a snake in it, I'm not putting my hand in. No, there. and he's like pointing his head. Like, oh, you don't. You don't get. No, I haven't what? explained that to you. It's. It's nothing. All right. Well, Help me get into the hole. Uh, something else collapses. Like, all right, fine. He gets in there and he starts yanking along with you. Uh, Ernest like gets on his stomach and starts like gophering down into it. He's like sliding on. This his is a stomach. deep hole. It's the deep hole. Where did I'm you imagining- put the dirt? Look <laughs> 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 out! We are, no, we we smash cut back in time. I don't know, two three days to it being one a.m. and um, Allah in control of Ernest's body has got like um, he's filled a pillowcase with dirt as he's dug out this hole and he's like huffing it out into the garden he just dumps it into somebody else's front garden goes back he's and you're like it. one of the other guards is like blearily eyed looking out of his bunk bed he's like what the hell are you doing Allah like carrying another thing of dirt looks up and he was like oh goodness getting rid of this body so <laughs> difficult <laughs> I don't can- mind me <laughs> All right, whatever. The guy rolls up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we cut back to Ernest in, in present day. 
All right, you're squirming your way down into this hole. So it's big enough to get you in? Yeah. Okay, this is much bigger than I thought it was. I'm imagining what our brother built. Uh, remember yeah, the horse grave. horse grave thing that he dug? I'm well, it became like a horse grave later. At first, yeah. it was a series of networked tunnels. Yeah, he's got a worm down, and then there's probably like a two-foot large little end point to it. Something big enough that you could... Okay, you couldn't curl up inside no, it, but you could yeah. store something relatively you could crawl big inside. down into and then use your arms to work on something kind of in this space. You crawl yes. down, like, grab my legs so I don't... Oh, I, I found the bottom. Never mind. Uh, uh, he's going to have a look around here. What's... what's? Uh, it's very dark. There's okay. only flickering flames and you're blocking most of the lights <laughs> coming in. You find something metallic. You find a sharp corner. Um, it feels like rough cut stainless steel. And as you kind of pat your hands around it, it goes, this is about the size of like a lunchbox esky. It's about um, about the size okay, It's about the size of a soccer ball, but a square of, of metal. And you can feel that there's there's dials or there's, there's some kind of mechanisms on it. It feels like some little piece of machinery. Us gets Sherman to like bodily like pull him back yeah, up. Yeah, you're being yanked out, out of, of the it. hole. And he lands a... Uh, Back on the floor. You are board. covered in mud. <laughs> I'm just going, and he's going to. Yeah, you're getting uh, out of the burning I'm building. Out of the now. burning building, uh, and he's going to use the light of the building burning behind him to uh, look at what's in his hand. Uh, you can see it's been wrapped in in a bit of cloth to help protect it from from the dirt. And what you see is it looks like a small portable radio. That has, has it that has had its guts ripped out, and it's been fused with what looks like, like a microwave, a small microwave, like a small lunchroom microwave. And as you are kind of looking at it, you say, "Oh, what's this little bit?" And it goes zip, and you pull it out, and it's an extendable antenna. And as you pull out the antenna, the face, like the 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 panel of the microwave, starts clicking in numbers, flicking, 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 up, 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 up. Um, as if it's searching for a signal. And then the microwave goes ding, and out of this tiny little speaker of part of this gutted radio on the side, you hear a voice come through. And you can see there's also, there's there's like an like a one of those big old school um, like lead batteries inside the microwave that's turning slowly in the light, and you can just see it spark occasionally. <laughs> and- I was mentioning at the bottom, there is a little sticky note that says turbo and it has one of those whipper, like whippersnipper pull line things. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got a ripcord. <laughs> rip- I don't know what that does. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you hear it crackling as as it's finding a signal. Hello? Uh, there's a crackle, another crackle, and then you hear a voice beginning to hove in and it sounds like someone's tuning in as it gets clearer and clearer. Hello. Come in, Ella. Come in, Ella. This is Dagon. Can you hear me? Dagon? Yes, this is Dagon. Who Ella? are you? What are you doing in those shakes? What are you doing in the... Oh, it's right. You're not Ella. Well, I... 50%. Hello, Ernest. Hey, Dagon. Hey, wait. You've been talking to Ella? Yes, we have been pen pals. Of late. Ernest, can you do me a favor? Yeah. 
my shop is currently unattended. You need me to flip the sign? No, I need you to kill it if it goes moving. There is a high likelihood that it is mobile. Well, my last memory of going to your store, there were many a crocodile in there. They're still there. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going there then. Okay. Um, this is an unfortunate timing. Hmm? I was not meant to speak to you. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, this is unfortunate for the weave. Uh, therefore, and the microwave in your hand starts vibrating violently. Hold on, let me pull the turbo. And as it's uh, turning off, as you go to pull the turbo, um, Dagon says, "I wouldn't do that." And then it explodes in confetti, and you're just like, as it's in your eyes and it's in your mouth, and then you are holding a large tortoise um, about the size of a dinner plate in your hands. Name you Joffrey. He's like put it down. The, his backpack and just slides the turtle in. Slips the chuck. Okay, well, that was entirely pointless. Allah! And it's like clonks on his head. No response. No, he's being. He's being tricky. Uh, Sherman, like Sherman is standing there. He's like. Um, okay. So. Living with him, my mind. The greatest supercomputer ever, and he's oh, having a no, hissy no, no. fit. No, 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 no. Talk to me. Roll this back. What? Living inside my mind. Living inside your mind. Yes. Is the greatest supercomputer ever constructed? And a supercomputer is living, and it's in your head. Somewhat. It has a personality. It doesn't have a soul. Um, okay. It got in my head because I fixed the radio tower, and the process it. Like took control of my body for a bit, so we're kind of co-sharing it. I'm in control now. Um, Where does the turtle come in? The turtle's mine now. Um, right. If the radio, um, Sherman, like it's fifty-fifty. That Sherman swings crazy. his rack, his like rucksack onto his back. It's lovely seeing you, Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts walking towards the woods. No, Sherman, wait. <laughs> this is gonna go after him. I can explain everything. I swear. <laughs> I swear I can explain. Um, do you want to try and get in touch with, with Allah? Do you want to drop into the dreaming? Um, as Ernest is, is walking, he kind of blinks for a second and he's still in that exact same stride now walking in the dreaming and like hands on hips. And as you step into the dreaming, you are suddenly walking uphill <laughs> and you are walking up the swell of a wave. What is going on in this place? Why is everything in my life having a hissy fit? The wave begins to crest down and suddenly you're walking downhill. And there's no crash to the wave, but there's this, this swell up and down. Uh, and so you're constantly having to go, oh, my calves. <laughs> and you're going up the hill, down the hill, up the hill. Um, my and Achilles tendons. I'm just going to say about 100 metres away, uh, you see a small rowing boat. Um, with like a lantern on a on a what do you call it? It's like a pole at the at yeah. the the front with a little lantern on it, and you can see Allah, who just I'm assuming Allah just looks like Ernest, right? Does Allah have a? I don't even remember how we've described Allah. I think we've described Allah as being quite pale, quite long, white hair, but then the rest is kind of just uh, Ernest. Okay, 
Um, he is sitting on the left-hand side of the rowing boat with one oar paddling in a circle because there's no one else and there's no other oar. He's and just, so he's just going in circles. And he's kind of just giggling to himself. <laughs> well, that's what <laughs> that's what you see. Uh, like Actually, make an, make a make an arcana check for me. Six. <laughs> Ten. With your pluses? Yeah. Okay. Plus With the ten, um, it takes you a little while to notice at first, but you realize that while as the the floor of the dreaming, the the surface of the dreaming is in these rolling, unsettled waves, the sky above you that is normally the sort of pinpricks of light like distant, distant stars um, is not there. Hmm. The sky is gone and it is replaced with what you realize is a roiling, silent mass of crows. Mm. And they are flooded, the ceiling, the sky. There is just crows as far as the eye can see and no stars. And you you kind of, you do this, this thing where you reach your mind out. You're looking for Luna. Uh, you can usually feel Luna somewhere when you're in the dreaming. You can kind of tell whether she's nearby or whether she's far away. Um, and you can tell, and you you can't sense Luna at all. Right. It's like Luna is not in the dreaming at the moment, and that's very odd. Luna doesn't leave. Yeah. Uh, but you approach Ella. While Ernest is walking towards Ella, Ernest is also going to look down. Can he see the light of Tuck beneath him? You can see the light very distantly. So this is still it's still the dreaming. The dreaming. Okay. Ernest is going to walk up to Ella. Ella, wait, go over here. He's still growing. He starts growing faster. <laughs> I feel like we're watching from the beginning of Alla, Alla's inception to Ernest Mine. We're seeing the like the disintegration of Alla's personality as he's just become more and more fragmented and broken and yeah. strange. Well, the more time he's spent on his own with nothing to do, nothing to build, so. right like that. Uh, Ernest like puts his foot on the 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 boat to stop it from moving forwards, and Alla gets up and it looks like he's gonna finally stop. Yeah, he's gonna swing out with the the um, the oar, the oar, and try and like whack Ernest away. Hey, stop, stop! You stay away from my boat. Okay, all right, fine. Do you want me to voice Alice that you're not just talking with yourself? Ernest puts his hands up. What's up, man? What? You're doing the crazy more than normal. I just, you're making me uncomfortable. Me, me. You're uncomfortable. It's making me uncomfortable too. Alice sits down, crosses his arms. I've got nothing to do, Ernest. And if you haven't noticed any gestures, things around here are getting pretty crazy too. It's not just me. I thought there was a storm. It's crows. Ravens. Something of the sort. Big black birds. They peck at me, Ernest, when you're not here. They peck at me. I'm not a a dreaming being. They don't fear me. They eat me. What do you want? I let you have, you know, an amount of free roam. Free roam! <laughs> Our gestures. The abyss! The abyss! Is my free roam. I let you have a level of free roam. What's with the radio under my bed? No idea. <laughs> like crosses the legs and turns Just goes the sits other down on the other side yeah. of the boat. No clue. Couldn't say. 
couldn't even hazard a guess. I'm not responsible for everything, you know. This isn't all my fault. <laughs> a raven comes and like sits on the boat. Goddamn birds! It like swipes at it to try and scare it away. It Ow. doesn't move. It like hops back a little bit, but it doesn't go They don't away. respect me. <laughs> Nothing here respects me. What's... Ella? What's with the radio? Why were you talking to... Da to... Da Day? Why were you talking to Dagon? Don't know. Never heard of that man before in my life. I don't have friends, Ernest. I don't have people I talk to. No one wants to talk to me. Except for me. I don't have friends. You know, like slowly turns down his mask and like taps his nose. Well, that might not be entirely true. What are you? This kind of. This is such a golem moment. Yeah, this kind of crosses <laughs> around the side of the boat, so like um, Alec can't look the other way from him. It's like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Just saying, hot commodity here. Some people might respect me more than you do. Some people might value my opinion more than you do. What, what do you mean? Stop riddles in the darking me. I don't like riddles. They don't compute in my brain. It's gesturing at his as, eyes as for some eyes reason. They don't compute in the brain. I'm just saying, appreciate some respect. And stop asking me about my business that's not my business. Away with you! He's going to pick back up the oar and start... Yeah. <laughs> He's going to give up the cause. He's right. going to return to the real world. As you are... Literally, as you are pulling back, you can feel yourself uh, leaving the dreaming. You do that thing where you kind of drop... It's almost like you drop upwards because mm -hmm. you drop you drop down back into the dreaming and it's kind of like you drop forwards and upwards out. As you're dropping out, you catch a, uh, a mental, emotional glimpse. That same feeling like with Luna, but it, it's a presence, but it's not Luna. But you don't know what that means. And then you're already out and Sherman is like yanking you as you uh, are about three centimeters away from walking into a tree oh that was a doozy all right are we back now yes. you've been walking in a straight line for like 10 minutes i have returned good because i'd like to stop having to direct you anyway we're not too far out uh so we'll follow him all right you hike up a trail that you are very familiar with the trail now that you're off the road it's almost the same. Mm -hmm. 15 years later, it's a little more overgrown, maybe. Some of the trees that you remember being saplings, you, you kind of pass a bend in this little trail where there's a big rock formation, um, and you remember a couple of saplings here that are now uh, as thick around as your thigh. Um, yeah. It's interesting, like, when dirt gets really compacted in bushwalks, it kind of never comes back. Yeah. In those areas. It's turned to it's almost turned to stone. Yeah. Um as you're walking, you're kind of following Sherman's lead. Occasionally he pauses and he holds out a hand to get you to stop and he kind of drops into a crouch and something shuffles or snuffles through the the undergrowth a hundred meters away, just close enough that you can kind of tell that something's moving past. Mm. And then he lets you move again. 
as it goes past and it whispers, bears. No, giant pigs. Very, very big pigs. Oh, it's like Princess Mama. Okay. Um, I don't know what that is, Ernest, but these are not good for eating. Okay. <laughs> um, and you keep going. And uh, in about another 20 minutes, you emerge out onto the car park of the ranger station. And as you kind of survey the area, uh, you can see there are weeds growing up through the cracks in the pavement. Um, There's a few trees pushing their way up through. There's half a dozen dead cars here that have been salvaged for parts. There's not much of them left except for kind of skeletons. Other than that, it looks untouched. It looks exactly the same. The same sloping, like the large sloping roofs of the um, the information center with the offices and behind it, the cabins. You can kind of just see there's a lot more leaf litter around and some of that sort of stuff, but... I'm imagining probably because uh, I always kind of imagine the big tree next to the main information center. Mm-hmm. It's kind of torn up part of the like, like or like crushed in a bit of the roofing on one side as it's kind of gotten bigger and bigger. Yeah, there's a, there's a dropped limb or two um, that seems to have done a little bit of damage to the roof and stuff. And you can, yeah, it's kind of pressing down. A few branches are pressing down across the roof. Um, and you can see that maybe one of the, very, let's say one of the very back cabins um, has fallen inwards, it looks like, in a storm or something. Uh, a limb has been dropped on this and it's crushed part of the roof. But other than that, it looks identical. Yeah. As Ernest is walking over the car park, it's almost like the, the, the whisper of a ghost, distant echo of like police sirens that makes him spin around in place. You remember being like uh, head face first, like smashed into the bonnet of the police car, arrested by it Randy like a on your first nose. He needs to rub. <laughs> yeah, it's very it, it it brings back a lot of memories, mm. and a lot of memories that are relatively happy of working here. Yeah, Ernest continues on and as he's reaching there's imagine there's the information center there's kind of the, the two trails on either side that lean down to the workers cabins and there's one larger medium-sized kind of thinner um building the house like all the cars and you see the the roller doors of them are up and he's looking at just these line of jeeps that are all like overgrown tires popped and like all looking really bad and he points to them as sherman taking going here it's like so this is why i said we need land rovers and not jeeps Yes, Land Rovers, they'd be yes, fine. I know. Land Rovers in Africa, 100 years after the war, whatever. Jeeps. They were cheaper. years. They were I cheaper, know. Ernest. And in case you hadn't noticed, he kind of like gestures around and he's getting really sardonic. Our economy was never very good. I don't think it was the economy, Sherman. I think it was the paint job. It looks the same. There was a different green, all right? There was a different green. And Land Rovers are now expensive and they're fancy people cars and you can't get the right green. And they don't do custom. Jeep would let me custom it, oh, whatever. Oh, you ordered the Jeeps. I, I, yes. Oh. He's, he's walking towards <laughs> the main building. <laughs> All right. Might be able to find, he start, he, uh, open, uh, is there somewhere in particular you want to look or are you just going to go for the main building? I'm just going to go to the main building and then there's a few things that he's hoping may still be in his cabin. Okay. Um, all right, you go to the main building and Sherman opens the door. And he's going, we've stopped in here. Now we haven't stayed for very long, but there might still be some gear here somewhere. Um, and he kind of, he, he props his crossbow in 
the the hallway up against the wall. You can see that he's still got a machete in yeah. like the small of his back across his belt. Uh, he's not unarmed, but he starts searching yeah. um, for any gear that might be useful. Uh, Ernest looks out through one of the windows and he sees uh, about 10 metres or so out from the main of the, the station area, there is like an old chain link fence that was kind of just to keep this area secure from animals and mm-hmm. kind of frowns up. Why didn't they do Ravenholm around somewhere like here? Because we've got the, he points out, we've got the reserve back there that was mostly bare of trees, was mostly realistically farmland. Is it like did something happened here? Sherman um, is like levering open uh, a an old tool chest in in kind of one of the the closets. And it's like I mean, it was relatively flat. Like you could have done anything with that. No natural water supply, mm. um, and it was going to be too much work to try and pipe anything in. Yeah. No pumps. Ravenholm had a natural spring. Uh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just do a roll for investigation. Do intelligence. Yeah. It's another six plus four. It's ten. Ten. What are you looking for? Uh, he's just looking for traces of Gina. Really, he doesn't think that uh, Edgar would have gone inside anywhere. Edgar would be on like a trail search type of thing. So he's yeah. looking for sign of Gina. You haven't seen any any Wendigo tracks. Oh right. So far, mm-hmm. you haven't been following. You were hoping to pick up the trail here, but so far, admittedly, you're searching inside the building. But so far, you haven't seen any tracks. Could I do an intelligence roll with advantage on the? anatomy and nature of a wendigo when a wendigo is extremely harmed and it's on its own it doesn't have an alpha anymore would it change back into its human form at any stage or would it remain in the wendigo form permanently until it establishes either it's restored its health or it's found an alpha type of thing Advantage on natural 12 with an unnatural 12, because of your extensive experience, um, you would guess that a Wendigo is always going to prioritize survival. And therefore, if becoming a quote-unquote human, looking human again, was going to benefit their survival, help them blend in, if they were in a town or a populated area, they would do that. If that wasn't going to help them, they would stay in the Wendigo form. And you would gather because of the woods, because of the other predators around, he probably would have stayed in a Wendigo form. Unless... Unless... Ernest turns to Sherman and says, Sherman, are there any other groups of humans, people that wouldn't know who Edgar is in the area? Well, almost everyone wouldn't know who he is. By me, if he was with your group, your group would not... Like, you would re- recognize who he is. So it would have to be like a, a separate group to Ravenholm. Yeah, there's other ones. Um, well, there's several other, several other small outposts of people that they're almost all on other islands. Um, what about uh, this? Kind of brushes chin. What happened to the the children of the tide? Because they were still on this island. They were in the direction of of Hon Caves, and they were down from where the radio station was. So if Edgar headed north rather than, well, I assumed he was heading west. If he headed north, is there anything of that, like, are they in that area? To be honest, after, I was about to say season two, <laughs> after you and Alistair left, um, you know, for the mainland, 
it kind of petered out. I know a few people left the archipelago. Um, some of them just disappeared altogether. Mm. I look in in the fifteen years that I've been here that we've been cut off. I haven't heard a peep. Okay. But look, the the sightings that I had said that he was heading up the mountain. Yeah. So I suggest we find whatever we can find here. Yeah. Um, and then we take we take the fire trails and we head up and we head for the the cave at the top of the mountain. Yeah, see if maybe Jean is there. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't resolve your ten on the search. Yes, right. You are searching around and you're kind of looking for just if there's anything disturbed. If it looks like anyone's been living in here or or things have been moved. All supplies have been taken long ago. You, there's a few cat. What what uh, Edgar is currently doing is trying to find any caches of supplies that his people have left here in okay. in the last couple of years as they've moved through. They might leave little secret lock boxes of yeah. stuff for emergencies. The um the cult of the word in Yanawake two do similar things. You can find their like lock boxes of supplies. Yeah. So he he's currently searching to see whatever them. Um, as you step into Chief. Ranger Lester's former office that for for the last several years while you were working there, the last year while you were working there had been Gina's. Um, you you see that the door is ajar, mm. and almost <laughs> with this fi- almost bodily physical memory, you are twenty one again. You're fresh off the boat. It's your first night in the archipelago. You're standing in this darkened office space with Alistair and you're pushing open the door. And, Ernest, it's almost unchanged. Mm. There's junk on the floor, there's coffee cups and takeaway containers that are now... If it weren't for the fact that they're plastic and styrofoam, they would be rotten. Yeah. They would be they would be dust and gone. But you still see um, the map of the archipelago on the back wall with markers and pins in it. You can still see um, newsprint sticky tape to the wall and what you realize, Ernest, is that this space has been kept almost like a shrine. Mm. Even when Gina worked in here, she seems to have left it like it was her father's office. The one thing that you notice is that through the window and through a, a kind of a, a break in the roof in the far corner, there are little tendrils of vines weaved through um, little lattices of of tiny branches that have crept along the wall, that have crept along the floor, um, and it feels like this is the one place where nature is invading in again. Mm. Right. Ernest is going to make his way around the desk, avoiding knocking anything over or anything out of place, and he's going to go up to the map. Right, to roll investigation on the map. Six again, which makes ten. Well, what are you looking for? I'm also going to look for any new additions. Mm. You're looking. You're looking at the pins. You can see that there's still the case that Lester was working on now, almost twenty years ago. It for for the the island for you only like five, mm. but um, the the Wilbur missing persons case. Yeah, and. You can see the different sightings of, of the lost. You can see these different animal attacks and these things. What is different? What you do notice 
is that the photo that was once on Lester's desk of Lester, Gina, and Sherman is now pinned to the board. Mm -hmm. And as you reach out to touch it, I want you to make a physical saving throw and be the 10. Be how much? A 10. I got uh, an 8. As you reach out to touch it, for a moment, you're just looking at Gina's face. You're looking at Lester's face. You're looking at Sherman's face, and you realize how young all of them were then. Mm. And then you feel something tighten around your ankle, and you are yanked off your feet, and your back crashes into the floor, (laughs) and you are winded. (coughs) And as you look, kind of regain your senses a bit and you look up you can see that the tendrils of these vines are wrapped around your wrists around your ankle and they've wrapped around your boot and they're winding their way up your leg and they've got your other leg and they're beginning to drag you um you uh, hear sherman um, call as he's kind of pushing through the door it's like ernest uh, it's it's got me um uh you can hear the pounding of feet but make a strength saving throw so i guess that would be physical again ah, i'm not doing these things Six. It gets your hands. Your um, hands are pinned to your side as it begins winding its way around your torso. And you can feel there are little needle-like spines in these vines. They're not, they're kind of pricking into your skin. They're uncomfortable, but they're very grippy. And you can see it's taking you for the window. It is pulling you with these many tendrils up to the window and you are going out the window again. And again, your mind flashes back to jumping out a window to escape. But also, mold, mold, mold. Uh, Sherman crashes the the door open. He sees you halfway out the window and you hear the shick of the machete coming out. Don't don't mind me, Sherman, just popping out for a minute. (laughs) Um, As he starts swinging and he starts swinging uh, at the vines. He's trying to cut any of them that are near you without risking actually hitting you. (laughs) <laughs> what? Zombie just pulls out his dice. Well, let's see how close he can my get. my dice bag. <laughs> uh, with a nat one. Ah, my fingers. <laughs> Not your fingers. Sherman swings. He's trying. He tries to grab. He grabs you by like the back of the shirt, by the collar, and tries to haul you back. Now it's like only, only your head is inside the building. And as he swings out, uh, he hits the glass. The glass shatters and the machete digs into like the frame of the window. And then from you, the tendrils grab his arm and up his arm to his torso. And he will make another strength saving throw. And that is only a six. So he fails. (laughs) So both of you are going out the window. (laughs) Ernest, you... It's okay, Sherman. It's... it's Don't take it personally. It's okay. Uh, Sherman is cursing. Sherman and Sherman is face down. Your face up. (laughs) So your face up. Your your arms are bound to your sides. Your legs are bound together. And as it's dragging you, it's just spinning more and more tendrils around you and up over your neck. It's getting into your head, around your ears. Um, It's holding you in this little capsule as it's just dragging you along the the forest floor. Sherman is being dragged face down um, until he kind of gets roll over and he's spitting dirt and leaves um, and both of you are being dragged. Okay. Uh, you can hear Sherman cursing and Sherman says, God, I've not, I don't know what this is. 
I haven't seen this. I don't know what this is. We'll be okay as long as it's not taking us towards one of those Venus flytrap-style mouths. Of course it's taking us towards <laughs> something that's going to eat us, Ernest. Not necessarily. Of course. What do you? What kind of plant do you know that doesn't grab people to eat it? Most plants don't grab people to eat them. Most, pe- most plants don't grab people, Ernest. You've got me there. <laughs> and the two of you are just dragged into like the bracken and ferns and shrubbery and you were gone <laughs> uh yeah okay and that's where we'll leave it for this week all right i have been your host show creator and narrator aubrey lidden with me has been chester lidden hello bj has gone Aww. we got rid of him finally bye bj bye bj uh we will see you again in probably early February of 2024 where we will continue the finale of this season um, this year has had some unforeseen circumstances and our release schedule has suffered well I made the realisation that like didn't we end off 2022 with the big um, with the radio station arc with I guess Alan? we did yeah because we because we, we started in November or no September yeah, yeah something like that something we released like four episodes four or five episodes so yeah will there be a Christmas special probably not BJ is extremely busy the next episode will probably also just be the two of us um, it may well be finishing off this but um, that's alright we'll BJ's see how busy we get. man so enjoy the Christmas holidays whatever you're celebrating have a good break um, if you're in Australia stay safe from the heat if you're elsewhere good luck we don't know how it works Um, and we will see you in 2024 with more Dark Tides take care guys bye bye